0: This podcast is sponsored by Opson Fluorocarbon Leader Line. If you're like me and looking for the best fishing gear for the upcoming season, Opson Fluorocarbon needs to be on your radar. Opson's line is slow extruded, resulting in a high tensile strength, low diameter leader line, which is going to give anglers the edge they need this upcoming season. Please visit opsonusa.com and put in FA at checkout for free shipping and a bonus gift. Hey, you're a private boater and you want to take your skiff to Mexico. There's some paperwork you're going to have to take care of and it's in another language. Let the good folks at Mexico Simplificado take care of everything. Your temporary import permit, your fishing licenses, your conservation passport, everything. All you have to do is go to www.MexicoSimplificado.com and everything else will be easy. Hey gang, Kelly Girl here. At
1: YourSaltWaterGuide.com get unlimited access to over 40 years of fishing. From GPS numbers to detailed game plans with over 300 how-to videos on the wheres, whens, and hows of fishing in SoCal. At YourSaltWaterGuide.com, we've got you covered. Hey, Chris from CCA here. Last year, the fishing industry faced a huge battle with AB 3030, and we all worked together to defeat it. But round two is here as the 30 by 30 goal to conserve and protect 30% of our oceans is still well underway. As responsible recreational anglers, conservation is very important to us, but blanketed fishing closures with a lack of scientific evidence is not the way to achieve it. If you're not a member of CCA, Join us in the fight by logging on to joincca.org. Membership starts at thirty-five dollars per year, and is one of the best ways to help us while you go fishing.
0: Hey, everybody! Welcome to another edition of Freeman Adventures. It's so great to be back with you all. Before we get started. Please subscribe to Freeman Adventures on YouTube. Hit that little bell and we'll notify you when a new show comes out. You can also follow us, of course, on Instagram and Facebook. And if Freshwater is your bag, then my kids are doing Bass Bros. Same thing. They're on Instagram, Facebook. And I'd love it if you subscribe to their channel. Today, we have a really special guest, a great guy, and I can't wait to to talk a lot. We have so many subjects. Bill Cimentel. Bill, how are you, my friend? I am good. It's early.
1: We should all be fishing, but we're down here going to do some talking shop. Well, we could
0: run. You know, <laughs> we're right here, man. We can go out there and start fishing right we, away. We might have
1: to take a break and do that.
0: <laughs> Our intern, Alex, uh, you've met him. He's a delightful young man. He paid me to say that, by the way. And uh, But he'd love it if you went out there and threw a swim bait with him and tried to fish something up out there. You catch bass out there and all kinds of stuff all the time.
1: All right, so normally
0: when I do an interview like this, Bill, I like to build up to a crescendo to what we're really going to talk about today is this great national tournament you have for kids. But I'm going to kind of do this in reverse. I want to hit everybody out there right now with some of the prizes that we're talking about, the entry fee, and then we'll go backwards. But I just, you know, before anybody goes anywhere... This is yep. an incredible opportunity.
1: No, it is, and I appreciate it. So I've uh, been in the fishing industry my entire life, uh, fire department, entire life. But I've been very fortunate that uh, fishing in Southern California, I got to fish for big bass. I mean, monsters. And in doing that, man, that really its a passion. It's a drive and a desire. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's fresh or salt water, It's all about the thump. It's the hit. You know, that's the stuff that gets you going in the morning.
0: 500 bass. Over 10 pounds. I have caught, I've caught
1: a lot of bass over 10 wow. pounds. I've That's caught, amazing. I've caught a lot of big bass and I've been fortunate. But in doing that, you know, as you get older, you want to start giving back. You know, stuff like what you're doing for teaching, you know, kids and stuff and all the stuff. I want to start giving back to the youth. I got uh, hammered pretty early in my life about 15, 20 years ago with Mike Jones and George Kramer saying, hey, you have all this unbelievable knowledge and you're keeping it a secret you're catching all these big fish and you're going to die and go to the grave and it's going to be a waste you're not going to be able to pass anything on there's going to be no legacy so a few years ago i had an idea Um, way back in the day in 96 2000 2001 bass and magazine had a big bass world championship for adults 25 dollars entry fee you get to fish all year long for big fish the biggest fish for that year you go to the championship and it's pretty much winner take all you know, you get uh, $50,000 in a boat. Gee, so for I, a
0: 25 <laughs> buck, it, and this is back before the turn yeah, of the century.
1: Yeah, uh, 1996, uh, 2000, 2001. So I won those three years in California. I had the largest fish ever caught in California those years combined. And I went back to the tournament, and I said, man, this is incredible. And I was watching. They had some stuff for kids back in the day. You might be able to win a scholarship or something, but it never got the kids involved. And I said, man, if I ever had a shot to do this, I'm going to do it for the kids. So fast forward three years ago. And I said, let's do it. So uh went to a couple guys and said, Hey, let's I got an idea. I'll do all the work. I'll help you guys, but I don't want to run it. Yeah, I'll help you guys. I want to, I'll be in the background. I'll do a lot of work. Yeah, and you'll uh,
0: end up like me with no hair you're, you're, what?
1: Oh <laughs> my <Twins>. brother. <laughs> hey, Melus, I love it. you. You can't pull that off of me, man. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I asked a couple guys and they we put out some press, and the next thing you know, like a week later, they said, hey, we don't want to do this. This is too much work, which I knew was going to be a lot of work. And, but
0: and were you devastated at that point? Or oh, I cried. You yeah. No, I cried
1: because in doing that, when you, when you sit there and you put your name out there, a lot of it's integrity and reputation sure. and everything sure. else. And the fishing industry, it's... It's a hard industry. I mean, no matter what you do, you you have haters. You got people. I know. You you step on people's toes. There's no one could do anything truly right. So I figured, hey, you know, I'm going to forget about all the people and let's just look at the youth. Get, yeah. get, you know, go back to the kids. So they said, hey, we need a name. So they go, we'll use BBZ because that was part of what I've been doing with the big bass zone and the books and everything and the lures. And uh, we'll put some money up, ten thousand. I'm like, oh yeah, this is cool. This will be really cool for the kids. And a week later, they said, "Okay, we're we're done." Oh, so I, God, I was like, I "Just left you." It's just uh, it was it was pretty tough. And yeah, then, why, why
0: just because of the workload or workload? And then it there was in probably fishing, no monetary uh, for them. And were they looking more for a monetary payback?
1: It, it, there's a lot into that, and yeah. it's like anything in fishing. You know, sponsorship. People work, you know, nobody wants to work for free. It's hard work. And then you have conflicts. You know, if if one company, if you're sponsored by one company, you can't really talk about another or, you know, they don't give you the sponsorship money. Right, right. It's just, it's just really brutal. So I... Uh, Took seven days off work at the fire station, sat home, built five websites. I'm not a web designer. Um, <clears throat> started hammering all my sponsors and stuff. And So
0: you went through that period of depression for, it sounds like, about 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Oh, got to do I got to kick some ass. In. I, I got to
1: do it for yeah. the kids. So um, biggest supporter from right off the bat, I called up Rick Pierce from Bass Cat Boat. Said, hey, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. And he said, Bill, we trust you. Here's a $30,000 bass boat. That was the first year. Um, turn around. I wanted, and, and that is the
0: prize. I mean, some that, kid that, that throws twenty five <clears throat> bucks in this thing can win that.
1: Yeah. Oh, it, it even got it got better. I, I turned around. I called a good friend of mine, Billy Chapman, yeah, from Anglers and International, uh-huh. and he was just had a new place up in Idaho. And I said, hey, I I want a destination that people. It's a draw. I want this to be family oriented, and just not a quick bang. You're gone. I want something that that these kids and the parents and families go. My gosh, this is this is different. He said, let's uh, host it up here in Idaho. So we had it up in Idaho. Then I went over. God's
0: country. uh, Oh,
1: just beautiful. Then I said, okay, I want to do something for the kids and give back for them, their education, to help the parents with costs and funds. So I called Gary Mason from Bethel University, the number one bass fishing college university out there. And the first year he said, Bill, I'm going to give you uh, five $28,000 scholarships. For the kids, wow. so I had five twenty-eight thousand dollars scholarships the first year.
0: Alex, are you listening <clears> to this? You can get a PhD <laughs> in bass fishing.
1: You can't right. P- piled higher and deeper, um, <laughs> and uh, it just it just grew. And the first year, um, most people thought I couldn't pull it off. Um, a couple weeks later, I called up Bassmasters and I said, "I want your support," you know. And they you know we we talked, and I told them my, my theories and stories and what's going on in in the industry that I'm seeing. And they jumped on, and they became presenting sponsors. That is so, so, I mean, I got some of the biggest – Big players. Big players that saw the vision. And the biggest vision on this, when you look at the numbers – so high school and college bass fishing right now is like the, the fastest-growing sport across the U.S. It, Baseball, basketball nah, – no, bass fishing. It is growing leaps and bounds. That is it, great news. Oh, it's, it's incredible because now you don't have to be the jock quarterback – There's only going to be a couple people that are in that 1% tile that physically can be able to do that, okay? Yeah. And fishing, boy, girl, tall, short, fat, skinny, love fishing. Yes. If they have passion, they can compete. And if they can compete, they can win. So that's why it's such a really incredible sport. And so I looked at the numbers, and in 2018, there was about uh, 60,000 club anglers just in high school fishing across the U.S. This is how big it's getting, and then I looked at the same numbers between, like, 13- and 17-year-old kids that fished, Three po- – or 4.2 million kids fished. Jeez. So there was such a big number of grassroots, inner-city kids, underprivileged, the, uh, great kids that loved fishing, but maybe the parents couldn't afford that sure. upper-end $30,000 bass boat so they could fish in the club. Right. Because everybody I talked to, the coaches, they said, yeah, Bill, it's sad. You know, we got 22 kids on our team. Um, but 11 of them, their parents have a boat. We turn back, we turn kids away that love fishing by a lot because they don't have a bass boat. So they can't participate in this club. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's why I wanted to do it, to give these kids a chance. It didn't matter if they kayak fished, float tube, fish off the bank, off a dock, fish out of a bass boat is just give opportunity to kids with no crazy amount of money Um, The cool thing is for the $25 entry fee. So, wait a minute. They they get a Bassmaster for a year. They get a free subscription for a year.
0: So, you get Bassmaster and the tournament's free virtually, right? Yeah. And you went back like before the turn of the century and you you had that one tournament, 25 bucks. I would think inflation would make it $100 now, but it's still 25 bucks. What a bargain. (laughs) You
1: would think. I must have hit my head a few many times out there on the dock. Me too. But, uh, no, I, you know, when you start looking at it, and I think you can be one of those guys, and, and it was like what I did starting Lures way back in the day. We built wood plugs in like 85 to well, 90. I want to talk more about that
0: in a second. Too, but but you yeah.
1: you could sell a plug, and you, we've sold them for 300 bucks yeah. for a table leg. But you, you, you kind of ruin the the whole sport and what the passion's about because only so many people can do that or afford it. Yeah. So I wanted to come out with baits that are more reasonable that everybody can enjoy it. Yeah, so right. that's the whole part of this thing for the kids is you, you got to make it reasonable enough where the parents and the kids think it's not a gimmick. It's a game, you know. They still have a chance to go out, and have fun, and any cast that they do, man, it, they it could change their life. Yeah. Literally change their life right. and their family's life. Yeah. So the first year, I uh, amassed 360,000 dollars worth of prizes. What? Yep. Um, we, uh, we had 47 anglers from 44 states across the U.S. This is my first year. Wow. And I did all the, you know, I, was, I had 12 hats at home and doing everything I yeah, can to yeah. put it together. Because I fish tournaments. I've won Bassmasters. So I've, I've won big national tournaments. I won the Basscat Invitational with my buddy Tim um, in 2000. So I fished against teams of 800 so competing is also part of my game yeah. like my history so we had that everybody was blown away i mean we filmed it so there's a video of it up there on the website for 2019 and it was crazy and everybody just came up to me and they said bill we the anglers at fish tournaments say we've never seen anything like this at all this is all about giving back to the kids that put time on the water nothing was given to anybody mm-hmm. they fought for it and then uh the next year, they said, "Bill, you got to do it again." And I should have—I should have quit right then. I should just—oh my gosh! Well,
0: just turned into Well, what happened silver. last year?
1: COVID. Yeah,
0: no kidding.
1: So we got—you know—it started building again. Basscat jumped right on board. They said, "We love what you're doing. Here's another thirty-five thousand dollars bass boat." Basscat came in. Uh, Bethel University with five more twenty-eight thousand dollars scholarships. Bassment. So I'm—I'm I'm getting the people that they're seeing it. The kids are participating. And then COVID struck around, what, March? You know, last year. Right when I came back from China, right? Yeah. I think I was
0: patient zero. Yeah. Uh, Bill?
1: Now we know the source. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, everybody, as it started going, everybody said, hey, you know, a lot of people said, you got to give up. This is... This is too much, it's not the right thing, and everything you else. Friends telling you this, and sponsors, spon- everybody, because I mean, it's a, it's a big burden, it's a big boulder on your shoulder trying to do something. Yeah, and I, I you sit back and you kind of go, Okay, you know, not to throw the religious out there, I said, Give me a sign. And the next thing you know, a grandma would call from Florida and say, Please don't cancel this tournament because our kids lost everything. They don't have school, they don't have their football team anymore, they don't have baseball, they have nothing. And with the Big Bass Zone Junior Championship, what other tournament is out there that is social distancing? They get to fish by themselves. They get to fish within their family. They're they're not out there with big groups. So they're outdoors, <clears throat> they're outdoors doing stuff, loving what they're doing, and fishing in a national tournament. Wow! So
0: twenty five bucks.
1: Yep, and it is fifty for the whole U.S. Uh-huh. I didn't want to be one of those guys like twenty five bucks for each state. Yeah, I'm like here twenty five for one state, and if you want to do the whole U.S., do it. I got stories to blow your mind of parents driving from Florida to Maine to have their kid qualify because Florida has a big fish already caught. And they're looking at the map and they're like, what state's open? Oh, Maine. Oh, and they drive wow. to Maine uh, the first year.
0: Oh, so you don't have to be a resident. You can just go there and catch it. That's yeah, as, as If they're in the $50 option. Yeah.
1: So I had one mom, crick- cool. cricket coach. She's 15 years old from Florida the first year. Mom called like two weeks the the end of the ter- before the tournament ends and goes, Bill, Cricket's got to win. I go, she's got to catch the biggest fish in the state. She goes, what state's open? And we're looking all over. And I go, I, I got Utah open. I got Maine open. With
0: no fish at all? We, we,
1: yeah, because remember, it's the first year. And right, I'm, right. I'm doing groundwork. This is me. Yeah. And mom goes, okay, I got to handle it. I'm like, what? Hung up the phone. A week later, she got a plane ticket for her daughter, Cricket, <laughs> flew from Florida to Utah the last week of the tournament, She cricket got a guide, went on the Lake Powell, caught herself a smallmouth bass that qualified, and she won Utah.
0: That is fabulous. So she traveled,
1: and then she comes to the tournament. Guess what she does? She takes fifth place out of forty-seven anglers. Wow! So, fifteen-year-old girl comes, competes, and throws down, and walks away with a a gift certificate to go to El Salto to fish Billy Chapman's place. Oh, in
0: Sinaloa, Mexico.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, the stories and this stuff's growing, growing, growing. So, Justin
0: Fleck was just down there. I think he was at El Salto. He runs a long-range boat, the XL. Uh, and he said that they had over 1,000 bass. So that is quite a prize. Oh, know? it is. It, it's, have you fished there?
1: Um, I was fortunate enough to go to Billy Chapman's
0: uh-huh. place. Yeah. And I tell you what,
1: it is. They, they have a term. It's like the Billy Chapman's way, like how they treat you. Yeah. It is literally first class meet you off at the airport, they drive you, they take care of you, you get off the thing, they give you drinks. They gave me margarita and I went, Oh, and I give it to my friend because I don't drink. You don't drink yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, cause I want to go fishing yeah. and the breakfast they, in the mornings, they ask you like, what do you drink? And they knock on your door at five o'clock and they hand you coffee and milk in the morning in your room, you know, and then they come out and have unbelievable spread on food. And then you go fishing every day and you go, I want to go over there. And you, you know, and I got videos of like, catching eight and nine pounders on big two baits and i threw my swim bait there for two days and just walloped Jeez. you know five to seven pounders all day long
0: and this little girl 15 years old won that wow yeah that's amazing
1: and we had a lot of kids okay. because billy gave away um four trips to el salto the first year and a trip to the amazon oh and the God. angler um the angler that won it from angler uh, from it was from colorado and uh They went, they made it to the Amazon, and he caught a 19-pounder peacock bass. Wow. And the dad, you know, they're like Harple, John and Jack Harple. They went there, and they are like, oh, Bill, it was out of all the trips we've ever done, this is like one of the top bucket list
0: trips. Of course. And they won a
1: $6,000 trip at this tournament. And Jack Hewitt, I think, was third place, and he walked away with a Lake uh, Amazon trip from Billy Chapman.
0: It's not only a fishing trip; it's an adventure <clears> going oh. to the Amazon.
1: So, so what we're doing is we're opening up doors and changing lives. Yeah. So last year, like I said, I go back to that subject. Is I, I worked my butt off. Everybody, a lot of people said don't. I kept listening to the parents and the kids. And last year, up at Billy's place, about fifty-two anglers from forty. Seven states across the U.S. We didn't get Hawaii because it was shut down with COVID, and we had multiple entries in um, Rhode Island, and the kids the kids were running to different states qualifying fish. And last year, you know, the last few years, it's been the biggest fish of the state wins. There's some changes coming. Really? You're, you're going to hear it first here. No one else. No one else knows. You are the first.
0: Three Minute Adventures. <clears throat> yeah. Breaking
1: the earth going around. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, multiple kids were traveling multiple states. Winning two and three states were leading them, and then the leaders would win their home state, and then all the anglers in first place, they would get taken out, and everybody would be bumped up. Wow. So I'm trying to give more opportunities for kids to fish. That's great. So. Uh, we showed up. We had I had over another $350,000 last year. Um, Carter Dorn from Nevada won the tournament, 16 years old, walked away with a $35,000 Bass Cat boat, a $30,000 scholarship to Bethel University, Jeez. and he's already booked the trip, I'm pretty sure, with Joe Thomas to go fish Billy Chapman's Resort in Elsholt on the Outdoor Channel for Steel Reel in the Outdoors.
0: Wow, this sounds like that's 70, 80 grand worth of stuff. That's amazing.
1: For really amazing. Just for that. And then then the prizes. So after the first place is done and wins, yeah. We come back to the event center and I'm telling you it is unbelievable because I have $260,000 of prizes on stage.
0: For like 47 kids or something? Yeah, I have
1: prizes that last few years I've been able These to have. you
0: like 63-year-old men who think they're 12?
1: I I want to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to be.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: if I could make this happen, I will I'm open it up. You. No, this no, I will great. build it up. I'll open it up to the adults. Yeah, this is awesome. But um, when the kids walk in Friday you know, to do the boat pairing and everything else they walked in last year, I was able to take the money that were raised by the sponsors. So I'm always looking for sponsors Yeah, because I do state sponsors for 2000 to go to a 501 C three. And then those state sponsors actually represent that child, that angler from that state. So all the money that we had left left over last year, I gave back to the parents. So when the parents walked in the door Friday night, I gave back $36,400 in cash, $700 checks to every parent, to pay for round-trip tickets for wow. every kid in the u.s and then the anglers walked in and they had st croix rods sitting there um the line cutter had a diamond ring for the champion but he had uh, line cutter rings for everybody A uh, fish monkey gloves last year there's so many prizes that for the kids amazing Basscat had brand new 150 bass cat vests for mm. every angler had, i mean they they walked out of there i, I think it was close to about ninety one thousand dollars that we gave back Friday night for state champions. And then I still had the 260 plus thousand Saturday. God almighty. So they show up Saturday after first place and I line up the kids second to uh, 52. I give them 10 seconds to go up and pick a prize. So you, you know about tournaments. Most tournaments is the placement dictates how much you are going to get. Not mine. It's complete BS. Because if a thirteen-year-old angler is going to walk up and he's in second place and he gets a thirty-thousand-dollar scholarship from Bethel, he's not going to use it. It's, it's, he won't qualify. Right. So he—it's just a piece of paper. Yeah, it's—it looks good, but it, it's worthless. Right. Especially for, and I'm not about giving worthless to the kids. So I let them pick their own prizes. So first year and even last year, we had anglers in twelfth, nineteenth, thirtieth place. They're the, the high school anglers going to college that want to be on the premier bass fishing university, Bethel. And they walk up in 19th place and grab a $27,000 scholarship. Wow. So my whole thing is let them have the choices to get what they want. The better you do, the more choices are up there. Yeah, you know? yeah. and That's the st- The stuff we had was, talking about breaking down walls, we had Mercury and Motor Guide. I had four Mercury... 36 volt trolling motors, and two Minkotas.
0: No fistfights broke out. No, or anything. no,
1: but but the kids were all up there, and you know, and it's crazy. Ten minutes or ten, ten seconds, and you see the kid looking at. He's like, oh, I want that Minkota. I want that Minkota. And the kid in front of him takes it, and the dad goes, Get the motor guy. Get the motor guy. You know, so there's a lot. It's just really cool that 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 bonding with the families and and the enthusiasm. Uh, right? it, it, it is so be. crazy. Well, you see a lot of this with the kids and yeah. parents when they walk in.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. They, it's just mind-boggling I feel that way. Just listening to it.
1: So uh, we pulled off again, and then uh, this year um, it's it's building. But I I'm always about trying to make things better. It's like in the swim baits and everything else. You, there's always room for improvement. You know, there's, there's really not a lot of vector mouse traps out there anymore. You could always improve on things. Yeah, right, right. So uh, with the tournament, my tournament was twenty-five dollars or fifty. Enter one state or the whole U.S. Yeah. You get a year subscription to Bassmaster Magazine, okay? And you have from January 1st to August 15th to try to shoot for your biggest fish in the U.S. for your state to win your shot to go to the championship. First place gets to go. If first place doesn't go, I take second. If second doesn't go, I take third. So there will be an angler that represents. It's just like fishing a tournament. You catch a 25-pound bag, and you don't make it in time to weigh your fish on stage you're DQ'd. Yeah. If the fish, if the angler cannot make it to the championship,
0: next he's in DQ'd.
1: Line. It's next yeah. in line. Yeah. Then I take all second place anglers and we do a second chance draw. So anglers all across the U.S. that fight for it but only end up second, they have a shot to win.
0: That's great.
1: So uh, Hunter Canyon from California has won two years in a row in the second chance draw. Really? Yeah. He fishes Utah, Arizona, California, and he kept fighting last year and he, he was second place in California. He lost the spot the last week and he ended up winning and still was able to go to the championship and uh so as this thing's building i'm looking at i'm like okay this is really cool but i'm listening to the parents and the kids and they're going hey bill you fish big fish i go i know and they go sometimes there is some luck to catching big fish sometimes you can throw out there and and just luck into a monster and i want to take that factor out so you're going to be the first one to hear about this we're doing
0: do, 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 yeah, news. Exactly. Steve will some, <clears throat> Yeah.
1: <won't> you, Steve? <laughs> yeah, we'll make, make it. it. Yeah. Breaking news. Thank you, Steve. <clears throat> so, usually you don't change things mid course. Yeah. We're already in a couple months for right. this tournament this year. But, but
0: uh, this app, is so dramatic. It
1: is so cool. And it, it has a reason. So, us, I'm wearing a whole lot of hats yep. on doing this, is I'm overwhelmed. So, uh, I just hooked up with an unbelievable app out there. It's called Fishing Chaos. Okay, and Fishing Chaos, these guys, John and Jesse, they're just, they're genius with the IT, and what I'm doing at home is anglers go, they sign up, I'm working on five spreadsheets every day, so anglers signing up, all the data, then they enter the fish, and then I got to take their fish, and I got to put on a spreadsheet, Jeez. and there's, plus doing everything else that we're doing, so.
0: Yeah, you got a family life, and you're a firefighter. Full-time and fireman you and you everything will. else,
1: so um, I'm. I'm getting tired the last couple of years, but now it's one of my good friends, Chad Hoover from KBF. He says, Hey, pull your head out of your butt. There's people out there that do this. And uh, he helped me uh, get in contact with these guys. And I talked to him. They're like, Oh, we'll take care of it. We'll run all your fishing through fishing chaos. So we're getting ready within the next week to swap over that. All the anglers will be fishing chaos it's an app where they basically, they just open it up. They take fit, uh, pictures of their fish, length and girth, and a selfie and submit it. And it's all data gathered. Nice. So it's going to save me four or five hours a day of going through that stuff. Um, there's so many features on it. I, we don't even have enough time, but this thing is cool. Uh, Chad Hoover from Kayak Bass Fishing, he's partnering up with me and helping me. He's been doing one of the biggest kayak fishing tournaments. This guy is like the... The, the, the generator, the, the originator for kayak bass fishing and catch, photo, and release contests. So this guy's been doing it for a long time, and he's got the rules, the datas, and everything they're doing for length. But nobody's done a length and girth in this type of thing. So that's what I'm doing. Awesome. So I'm going to use part of his rules because they're out. So now things are standardized. We fish enough tournaments, and this is what I, this is why I'm so excited. Is I fish so many tournaments in different organizations. Back in the day at Cass one tournament was 12 inches mouth open, one's 13 inches mouth closed, one's 15 inches. So there's times, and it's happened to me, where I got confused, like, which tournament is this?
0: Yeah, mouth open, mouth closed.
1: I've thrown back keeper fish that would have put me into money oh, through the day. So what we're going to do is standardize the length system of it. Um, we're working with um, bucket mouth brands. John, so all this happened this last week. Bucket Mouth Brands has a girthquake. He built a patentable system with a ruler, soft ruler, that you could put bucket mouth. The girth is the worth. You could put big fish in it and do a quick measurement to get an accurate girth.
0: That is fantastic. So
1: combining the board with the girth, I'm using just a regular ruler, a sewing ruler, but now combining the two will give a more accurate reading. And instead of going for one fish now we're going to it's never been done before but i'm going to have a seven month build your bag it's going to be a five fish limit whoa so what happens is say an angler in california um dickerson had the first year like 13 14 pounder Mm -hmm. and what happens is somebody catches a monster fish I don't want to deflate kids and go, uh, yeah, there's fits. like, oh, there's, there's no, no way. Chance. So they don't take their ruler out there. They don't, you know. Yeah. And, and they still end up catching big fish and go, oh. They call me up and they go, I didn't even have any of my stuff because I thought there's no way. Yeah. So you can catch a big fish. And I got other prizes. I mean, I got other things that work really good. But you got to put a limit together, just like in a tournament. It's like you can put a good limit together, but you got to catch your kicker. So now I'm I got an online true... Bass fishing tournament for five fish. The five biggest in California or any state qualified to the championship. The other cool part is I made two heavyweight divisions. So that way the anglers, the biggest largemouth in the U.S., win their own spot. That's great. So say California is a 14-pounder. Yeah. And he's got a monster limit. <clears throat> and in second place, he's got a monster limit, but he doesn't have that big fish. Well, that 14-pounder wins. He wins his own category, the U.S. for the yeah. heavyweight. That means the second place angler goes to first. Fantastic. Everybody rotates up. We have it for smallmouth. So I split it for largemouth and smallmouth. So there's a smallmouth. So I'm opening up more doors. I I'm gonna open up for some other stuff next year, but I could only do so much this at a time. This
0: is really great. <clears throat> oh more opportunities.
1: And then like I said, after all the first place anglers going, hey, we got a limit. And you you know what's gonna be crazy? We all fish. I mean, that's that's our passion, especially yeah. big fish. Yeah. Now you're going to see these kids amass a five fish limit in a seven month frame. You're going to see fifty pound bags oh, in God. some areas. You're going to see in that's the northern. Really crazy. You're going to see in the northern areas like smallmouth. You're going to see thirty five, forty pound bags of smallies that these kids, and that's the excitement. And they know sure. that they could fight because now they go, hey, you know what? He might have three big ones, but here's two. You know, I. I'm going to keep fighting and then it opens up the doors consistently with the standards of like the kayak bass fishing people. But that extra girth, that opens up to everything. And the cool thing about my tournament, um the BBZ is it it enhances the anglers that are already doing it. So if you're already a club angler or you're fishing yeah. in any tournament, any tournament. Right. It was a $25 big fish option that you got a year subscription Bassmasters. So it so you're fishing another tournament, the fish counts. So if you're pre-fishing and you catch a donkey or fat, you, you weigh them in. Yeah. If you're in a tournament and you go, I just got a huge sack, and those two fish right there would help my yeah, yeah. leaderboard here. Before they weigh it, they take a length girth, a selfie, they send it in, and they're good to go.
0: God, that's great.
1: So we got a really cool bunch of stuff. And then like this year, this year, the really cool thing about it as it's building – and this is the crescendo is Bass Cat has been such a big supporter of this tournament and the youth and everything else that I just signed a deal with Bass Cat. So Bass Cat is the title sponsor. Great. The, so it's Bass Cat's Big Bass Zone Junior Championship. They signed a two-year contract. Bass Masters just signed a two-year contract Great. as a pre- presenting sponsor. So now it's the Bass Cat's Big Bass Zone Junior Championship presented by Bassmasters. I mean, you have some incredible companies and the sponsors I already have right now. California, we have AFCO taking care of product and taking care of the kid the kid um, that wins. The Angler wins in California. We have Rugged Shark Shoes in Texas. We have Rattletrap in uh, Georgia. We have um, Motor Guide jumped on board. They have uh, Michigan. They're sending in four 36-volt trolling motors for the tournament. Wow. Plus, they're supplying it for the boat. So that's five. You know big um we've got saint croix from wisconsin when the kids come in on friday every state angler wins a free saint croix rod if they catch the winning fish during the tournament the final day they get another thousand dollars cash wow. i forgot to, i forgot to throw that in there <laughs> um we have mom and pop companies again. yeah steve <laughs> steve darling up in south dakota at a truck custom trucks he goes hey bill I love what you're doing. Here's $2,000 to a nonprofit, so it helps him with taxes. Yeah. And he's going to sponsor the kid from South Dakota. We have Crystal and um, um, Seth Campbell from Idaho, Washington. They picked up Montana. And they said, hey, so what we're doing is if I can get a state sponsor from each state for 2000 we just picked up Marishi Sports from Louisiana. I call him up and a parent says, Hey, Bill, you need to talk to these guys. I call him up and I'm talking to him. They are the number one major league baseball bat and sunglass dealership. I mean, in the world, they, these guys are the thing. Well, the guy loves fishing. It, it goes right back that fishing is such a, a passionate spot With in so, so many, many people. people, doesn't matter what walk of life. And uh, he goes, Bill, we have some sunglasses. This is a secret, nobody even knows. We got some sunglasses that are top-notch with the zest lenses and I mean this is premier stuff. Not only are we gonna pick up Louisiana, we're gonna supply every kid, every state winner with a brand new pair of glasses Friday night. That's awesome. With. So, and like I hope I don't miss all the sponsors, but there's so many Mincota uh um Lawrence Bass Cats got Arkansas uh PowerPole and those are the the uh, anchors. Yeah. They picked up Florida. They're going to put a power pull on the kids, and they're, they're giving $4,000 of prizes away. And then we got the, one of the biggest sponsors is Mercury. Got the motor for the boat. And they go, hey, Bill, here, what do you want for the kids? So I'm putting um, four Fury props. These are $1,000 props as prizes. Jeez. Up on stage. Cases of oil. I mean, this year. Yeah. So the last two years, we went to Idaho. This year. We have to mix it up a little bit because you want to move around and and show the people that this is bigger than just one state. So we're going to Branson, Missouri, and it's going to be in October, in the fall, and it should be a way late of a time. I think we should
0: do a podcast from that event, actually. I think that would be a really good idea. Oh,
1: it would be huge. Um, The cool thing is the last two years, Bassmasters has done a Bassmaster Live on their Facebook for the kids weighing in. The first year, the full time it ran, um, I was told that we had a hundred thousand views. Last year during the event, by the time we went into the event center and passed out all the trophies, James Hall came up and said, Hey Bill, so you know, I think by nine o'clock that's that night, we had fifty thousand people tune in to watch oh, the wow. fifty thousand. It's amazing. To watch the kids walk across the stage and the see how it won. And then we filmed it too
0: couple questions yeah so number one can I? is there are the standings uh can i see them so i can look and say hey look this state is open let's go
1: well that's the cool part about it now going to uh fishing chaos this is all transparency now the cool thing is you can go right to the app perfect you hit it you'll see the states who's entered on the states some states are not i was thinking
0: that's going to facilitate all that
1: and then it oh it has everything and then you're going to see the The parents, like I've had parents drive last year 6,000 miles. I'm not kidding you. From Colorado up to the Dakotas, down to Missouri, back to New Mexico, and up fishing, trying to qualify.
0: Yeah, they're trying to win this thing, but at the same time, these are family experiences, bonding experiences, outdoor experiences. And Bill, you're a firefighter. I don't have to tell you that there's an epidemic right now of, of, oh. of children that are depressed, that children that are all their stuff is all digital the bad now. thing. Their you school get see. is digital, yeah. and then when they're done with school, they go back onto their phone or their dumb computer. Yeah. And the outdoors is the answer to curing a lot of that. I mean, there's uh, obesity going on. There's depression going on. There's a rise in suicides. I'm sure you, no, you probably it, see some it, of this stuff.
1: No, I've seen it all. they have been a fireman for 32 years, yeah. it's, and it's uh, it's sad. And and the sad part is is. The media and stuff, it's hard talking about kids like that. It's worse. It's so much worse than any, anybody could even think about. Because you don't want to say that too much on the TV because it, it's its just bad. But, uh we might as well <clears throat> confront the problem. You, they should. Head on, and and that's, then we can
0: fix them. Because if we play like they don't exist.
1: Yeah, it's not going to ever get fixed. Right. And that's the whole thing with this tournament. That's why I want to try to make it more transparent. The more transparent you could be in anything, in business, and life and stuff, no one's perfect, but if you're out there enough, where people, there might be somebody there that comes out of nowhere and says, "Hey, you need help? I'm here." Yeah. Do so you think about that? Kid you know? wins
0: the tournament, wins the state, <clears throat> and yep. doesn't have a bass boat. Does he go to the tournament and fish? I mean, what does he do then? They
1: show up. So uh, I'm trying to pick up the funding from sponsors. Yeah, they'll get the room taken care of. Um, two two championship dinners, Friday night and Saturday night. The breakfast, the box lunches are taken care of. The trophies are taken care of. The event center is paid for. And we will have boats sitting there. Wow. And what we do is it's just like a tournament. So the kids come up. um, Right before we start, I pull random names with random boat captains. So I've had anglers that win. So the Caditos uh, down in New Mexico, the last two years, uh, um, Eric's won it. Or, yeah, or Adam. And um, they have drove from New Mexico with their boat to Idaho. I've had parents drive from New Jersey last year to Idaho, New Jersey, because if you bring your own bass boat that's safe, has all the equipment, everything's top notch safety wise, um, the parent can be the boat captain for that day. Since I have two anglers and some of them are minors, you have to have two plus an adult in the boat. So basically they have a boat captain just like out here on the docks and they drive them whenever they want. They can't help them at all. Can't pick up a nut, nothing. But they drive them and the kids get uh, four hours each on the front of the uh, deck fishing their style where they want to fish for four hours. So I'm trying to make it as even and fair. And then my rules are crazy. You cannot bring a boat. You can't use any electronics with GPS because there's anglers out there that are qualifying from the bank or they don't have those that yeah. technology. Yeah, right. So I'm not giving them a disadvantage. So the only the only advantage is they could use their cell phone, because every kid has it, and use like an online map like Navionics. And that's how they do their mapping. That's the only map. So everybody's at Levels of playing. <clears throat> levels of playing field. Um, they get to pre-fish for one month, and then there's a 30-day off limits. That's done. Wow. You know, if one boat has power poles and another one doesn't, no one could use power poles. Because if the, I just want it so the kids and – I, and I talk to them, and they're like, oh, and this is the most fair. Even the parents like, Bill, we come across state fishing these big tournaments. You show up, there's 300 kids there. Half of them live on the lake. They have 500 waypoints, you know, it, and it demoralizes your chance of winning. At the championship, mine's still one fish, big fish, at the championship. So that any kid can go out there, and if he knows how to target bigger fish, he's going to have a better shot. If he's going to throw a jig or a swim bait or anything and look and target for that bigger fish, you know that's going to be the kid that does it, but he's
0: got to put his homework in. So that kid's listening right now. Yeah. Those parents are listening right now, and you said if he knows how to target big fish, yeah. let's take a moment and talk about that. How do you do that? How do you target big fish? What advice would you give to kids it, that are targeting big fish to win this thing?
1: It's a frame of mind and you got to go back. So the nice thing about what we have right now is what you guys are doing for podcasting and on Facebook and everything else. The digital informational world out there is massive. When I grew up and was doing swim baits, first of all, no one was doing swim baits. You couldn't go and read like, you know, I was throwing ocean swim baits at cast steak, walking the shore with an ocean rod and people thought I was like, you're know, like, oh, you're doing drugs. You know, at you know, 16, 17-year-olds, oh, that kid's on drugs.
0: Yeah, really?
1: But I was... Who is
0: tra- a strange kid? I,
1: I was trying, and I always laugh because at Castake, they're like, what are you, I'm looking for halibut. I always throw something way out there <laughs> off the extreme and they're sitting there and you, they're walking there and you can hear like, are there halibut in this lake? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so,
0: but I was doing stuff that was just off the wall why just experimenting trying to see what works yeah what you know
1: work? when i was my first big bass my dad and i my he was my hero my best friend and we had we're really grassroots like our bass boat growing up was a 14-foot valco aluminum perfect with the nine. love it that's it
0: yeah like love we it.
1: we that was it or walking offshore you know um my first boat after that was a nine-foot blow-up seagull that i fished cast steak you know doing crawdads catching 50 pound bags you know Jeez with crowded fishing in a blow-up boat yeah and then i had a 14 foot terry i mean that i am the epitome of grassroots love fishing love love you know it. any way you can get out there you do it um but when i was eight years old we were fishing at castake and it was a hot day and i forgot to put the lid on the night crawlers i can remember it to the day you know and this is a long time ago and my dad got so mad at me and he's throwing chips at me and bananas and all kinds of stuff back in the day. And you dummy and the worms were all dried. <laughs> so he pulled up to the dock and I pull up, I pull out a crawler that wasn't broken because it was all dried and leathery. And I threaded this like leathered night crawler on this hook. And I jumped off the dock and I walked over on shore and I looked at my dad, just looking at me. You will never catch a fish on that worthless piece. And it was in springtime. And I mean, I, we didn't know really about spawn and all this other stuff, but I threw it by a post and I looked at my dad and I ended up catching an eight and a half pounder. <laughs> and that was at the time, Look at that, I dad. was like eight, nine years old. That was bigger than my dad's personal best oh that he caught God. a handsome dam in the fifties. And something I, it really did. Something clicked at me when I was younger that I was like, huh. And my dad, I remember pulling it in the boat. And we kept it and I mounted it because my dad said, you'll never catch another fish in your life like that. That was the thing. And I remember I saw the fish throw up a bluegill and then we weighed it again and it was eight pounds and i'm i'm just like i was nine years old and it was really
0: curious you for me put that bluegill back in there Tried to
1: yeah absolutely not like some people that try to put those in the, yeah, yeah that's know, a yeah. that's a, a Pine, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah i got stories on those too <laughs> me that's too. A, that's another <laughs> podcast is, it's
0: this big and the scale goes <laughs> like this and there's a big one over <laughs> here and you're
1: like wait a minute what's going on here yeah, <laughs> yeah. some got it's a, it's a slippery <laughs> hands um but after that, we'd go out, and my dad, we fished a lot for food. You know, we didn't have a lot. So we hunted, and the deer we got, we made, burrito, like, 200 burritos, and that's what we ate for breakfast and lunch for school. Like, we were very, but we had everything. Yeah, You know, yeah. It, we, we loved, it was just really, I loved my childhood. It was it so bitching. Right. Um, but my dad, we'd go out there and try to catch trout, and, you know, we'd troll the lower lake. Well, I had a lead line rod. And we started messing around with these big wood plugs and we were taught by two old guys um, and an Asian guy at Pyramid Lake in like 84, 85. And he was making these wood plugs um, out of the oars for big stripers. So we were going home and were, we're breaking off chair legs and stuff. And pool cues and your
0: mother's ready to kill you. oh
1: well we were swap meet we were swap meters so oh, okay. we got my dad did all out of the back of a chair he'd make a big flat fish out of it and That's caught fish on freaking
0: it freaking funny so man.
1: we we did all this stuff and i'm we're trying to learn these 33 degree angles and we didn't have no tools like all these other guys had and power tools yeah, back in yeah. the days and we're sitting there in a vice and trying to cut perfect this and half the crap we did it was like Literally, you spend a week on a fucking lure and it just go like this in the water. And you're like, oh, shit, we should have put weight here and do this. And then you're like, hey, when you throw the wood in there after you're done, see where the float value is and then do the line. And so I, I got a lot of my lure building skills out of a whole lot of screw-ups. Yeah, you well, know. that's the way you learn, right? Yeah. And uh, one day, my dad, we're at the lure lake. And uh, we're, we're going down. We're trolling. And, and uh, I put on a big, big wood plug trolling. And mind you, this was... After that eight-pounder, the three other big fish that my dad hated me for, like, it's just stupid. Like, the, the next one was a 10-6, and we got there. My dad was a chef at Brunswick Granada Lanes off of, in Zell's and Bur, uh, Burbank, um, Balboa, I mean. And um, we got there early in the morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, and we'd run down. We'd fish before he has to go to work. And I remember getting out of the car and running to the lower lake to the dock. And you little son of a bitch, get back here. And I'm like, ah, catch me. And I run down there. And I threw out a three-hook Rapala. And it was super calm. And I'm rolling across the dock. And I'm just, you see the light. It was just so cool. And you hear this. Like, what that? And it got heavy. And I catch a 10.6. So then my, dad, dad's this, ready to kill you my dad's like, holy what cow. The? So at the time, and lots of change, you know, that was like, that's your biggest fish. And there's this guy named Bill that did skin mounts at the time, and my dad says, "You worked hard for that, you know. This I'm going to give this to you. You know, this is a memory. Things have changed. You got to remember this is 35, 40 years ago. Yeah, right. So we put that fish. We gave it to Bill. Um, The next day, a couple months later, it's like April, and the all the boat, all the uh, swimmers are at Castake, and. I am learned, like, all this stuff is the data coming in for catching big fish. Yeah. All these people are swimming and everything else. And I used to go get these four-inch Mr. Twister smoke um, plastic worms at Thrifty's. And I put one on, and I threw it out in front of all these kids swimming, and I ended up catching a uh, 12-2 right after that. Holy cow, my dad just said... Send another fish in. Oh, you know, wow. And then the next thing we so go. So you
0: your dad and you were competitive, but he, he oh he, he you all the way. Yeah,
1: but he had no, like, he said what you're doing. Is wrong. Y- yeah, you can't. And
0: what did you learn from that? Like, Try different crap.
1: Yeah, and consistently, everything, all the data, even if you're out there learning swim baits, whatever you're doing, really have an open mind on looking at positive negatives and then looking at playing chess you know, those moves. Like, what happens if I do this? What would actually happen eight moves down the road? So that's what I started doing. And then uh, right after that, we went up to the upper lake, and I threw out a crappie jig on a bobber, and I caught an eleven two. So I have a plaque at home at my mom's house right now of all three fish, a 10-6, and a twelve two, on a plaque, and this is when I was a teenager. And I caught them on three different techniques. Plastic worm, a little teeny crappie jig, and a floating rapala and you start looking at that and it's kind of weird you look at it's like you know like you're a kid no this is the best time for kids and that's what i'm trying to do to give back to these yeah. kids this is the best time to mold them to say hey there are no limits everybody just said everybody says hey th- you can't do that you can do it it might be really hard or you might have to think of a whole different angle to do it but it can be done and um then it went into the swim baits. <clears throat> then we were out there and trolling for trout. And I threw out this big wood plug that we were fishing for stripers up at Pyramid. Nobody really even heard because we didn't have digital media back in the day. People are catching stripers, but you never really heard it. Yeah. Or if you did, you got it in Western Outdoor News a week later right. or Bassmasters a month later. Right. So it was so slow. And I remember sitting in the boat, boat and going by a couple Butch Brown and, and Mark, they were sitting there fishing crawdads off the hump. And I'm sitting there sleeping and I'm trolling. And I learned so much on trolling lead line with the wood plug. My dad slowed to turn and I thought he was pulling my line because I was sleeping in the boat. And I'm like, stop, dad. And I ended up catching another 10 and a half pounder on a wood plug at Castaic when I was like 14. Wow. And that triggered me. And I went, Okay. So that's when I started going out there and and doing, dude. We did so many stuff for stripers back in the day. Um, we do the big skirted vinyl jigs for the, the halibut, yeah, with one ounce heads. And my dad used to get nine inch sassy shads from back east because right. we sw- that was the only swim bait at the time. And there's only three colored marksalots: red, black, and green. And you make your rainbow trout on the vinyl and the, the thing. We throw it for stripers and then. I started testing it with the largemouth bass. And then you start doing the wood plugs. And then I started getting musky lures and buying musky lures and like going, well, if they have a big depth rater that looks like a trout painted triad, why can't I throw that at Castake? Yeah. And so all this stuff really started evolving. So 85 to 90 was like, it was just all over the place, piecing things together. But when it started getting the 90s, man, the big bait craze started really taking off you know, cast steak, um, Sean Dottleman with the, um, ultimate or, um, optimum swim baits, um, Pete Cormier. Um, we did tubes. I built the first big tube, the eight inch tubes, dude. I was winning so many tournaments at casita. The guys didn't know. I mean, I was, you had the single, single hook up in front and the trailer and I was flipping 20 pound fishing with one cast. You had to have double tens. You'd flip them in and, One would break. It's
0: all this idea that you try different stuff, right? Matt Florentino was on a show here recently. Oh, he's one of our sponsors. Oh, there you go. There you go. He pretty much echoes what you're saying. He said he'll go to Florida with West Coast tackle, and the guy will look at him and go, you know, that's (laughs) not going to work here. Oh yeah. And then he looks at him. He's like, oh. Or uh, the reverse. He'll come with Florida stuff. To the west coast and guys here say what the hell that's not gonna you can't catch it on the 13
1: inch worm yeah.
0: and it works oh yeah and it's exactly what you're saying and these are life lessons also this is just not oh. fishing lesson this is you know try different stuff in life
1: and what i learned here's the one thing that i and i tell some people when we really get in depth like you know because i'm a i think in a completely different zone than most people and i know i do And and sometimes I have a hard time even communicating. I wrote the book with Mike Jones. Yeah. He used to yell at me and he goes, Bill, we're out there at diamond Valley. That's the big bass zone. Yeah. Right. And we're, we're doing a um, swim baits at diamond Valley. We are doing a video for this uh, uh, DVD and I'm whooping seven pounders left and the right. And he goes, Bill, you're always telling me a and Z. That's the problem with most, most people. You have to tell me a through Z when you explain it. So he actually helped me become a better teacher because I have to break it down. And then I figured out, and this is years ago, that when you really want to learn something, people, whatever, look through their eyes. I look now, when I look and when I fish, I don't look through my eyes. I look through my eyes for certain categories. Yeah. But I'm always thinking, what does the fish see, smell, taste, and feel? Like, just if you look through the eyes of your predator, your competition, and everything else, the whole world will open up. Yeah. And that's when the swim bait and the big baits and shadow theories and directional changes, all this stuff comes together. And even reading people and how people walk or how people stop at a, a store to eat or how they stop at Jack in the box, all this weird stuff. And you sit there and you go, Oh, wait a minute. And then you wake up in the morning you go out here and you're drinking your cup of coffee we're getting the BBZ stuff. This is the mind stuff. I like Mess, it. mess you what up. You sit there and you go, oh, there's a pigeon. And you watch it. And then all of a sudden you watch a pigeon go down the bank, the, the sidewalk, and it stops and it's looking in the cracks and it's eating in the cracks. And you're going, that's the same way bass eat, if you guys think about it. Because they're looking for funnel points. They're looking for places that pinch off stuff. They have places they know that they could find food. Yeah. So even watching birds and then the shadows and angles – and squirrel, you, you watch that and you're laughing and you're going, oh my gosh. Like, Makes sense. That's exactly
0: what big fish Same do. Same kind of behavior.
1: Same behavior. Yeah. And then if you can translate that and then use tools and techniques and put them in a certain place to create a funnel, a shadow, uh, a corner of outcropping, those are the places where most fish, because they don't have hands, they, they push with their lateral line, their, their buoyancy in the water, it creates high, low pressure systems. Fish can actually dictate and move bait fish in certain areas where they can corral them and get more food. It's like big fish in the ocean. You start seeing them wrap around pods of bait fish. They're using pressure, wave, all this other stuff, and start combining that pod of chovies or whatever. Largemouth bass do the same thing for shad. This is amazing. I mean, it, so observational skills
0: are half the battle here, right? And
1: that's where I was fortunate being in California. Clearwater. I saw how fish approach things, how they hit crawdads and break off their claws and then come back and eat them. I saw how bass might eat four or five trout and turn right back around and eat yours when they go on a feed.
0: Um, And that's really important stuff. Paul Strasser, he runs the Independence, And he was here the other day and he said, if you're ever fishing for Wahoo and you feel something come and bite your bait and then it's gone... Don't wind in because wahoo eat like that. They cut your bait in half and then they circle around and they eat so, it again. So having this kind of knowledge about that wahoo is going to get your fish and all this knowledge, you're talking about bass, it, those are times when you might wind in and miss the fish. It,
1: it's the uh, striper fishing, cast egg pyramid with the big swim baits, the, the BBZs or the old wood plugs. You get 10, 15, 20. The bigger the striper, you'll be bringing it across the surface and you're slow winding it and you just got the wake and you see the swirl behind your bait those and it's so weird it depends on how these fish and how you read them during the day a lot of big fish will come up on bait fish and swirl and what happens they create a vortex and they get the little pot of bait fish and it goes and it sucks them into a little teeny ball and then depending on how big the striper is it takes three to five seconds for they to come back and go dinner time so, so when i see big swirls behind my swim bait i stop it and i'm thinking that's a big sw- that's about 20 pounds i bet maybe more i go one Two, three, and I'm thinking that striper is coming right back up to the bait, and I go, womp, womp, and they're they're on. Oh, wow. And I've done this. I got videos out there that show me doing this at cast Steak and stuff. But yeah, reading fish and understanding how they eat and stuff—that's the the enjoyment. But it's it's doable. This is all the stuff in the book we we write, it and even in the DVD that I did with Spro. And I'll throw something out there. You guys are fishermen, right? Yeah. And I always like throwing this because it was like, how many techniques are there? Like that. You know.
0: Infinite, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Five. No, that's, See, that's,
0: that's the techniques thing. Techniques for what?
1: That's the thing. So techniques I always look at, you always break down the water column. So this is what I teach is um, top, middle, bottom. No matter what depth of water, 300 feet, it's 100, 200, 300. Mm-hmm. Three foot of water, it's one, two, three. So you always have a top, middle, bottom. Most of the fish are suspended almost all the time, except you got fish that are literally on the bottom. But how do you work a tool? There's only a couple ways If you're topwater fishing, you're reeling, you're you're reeling so it either has a mechanical movement or you're doing a manual movement, but it's like reel, this, I mean, there's not much more that you do on topwater. Mid-depth, a lot of the baits, just depending on how they're built, spinner baits, swim baits, and everything else, you have the pendulum. A lot of it's just winding with directional changes, creating some type of, you know, movement. And then on the bottom, you're dragging on the bottom, you're trying to hit rocks. Those are a handful of techniques. Right. How many tools are out there? Millions. The angler that's the best is being able to look at a tool like a mechanic and go, that screwdriver, I could stab you with it. I could pry with it. I could open up a nut. I could use it. I can arc across the uh, uh, two battery posts. When you start thinking about it, it's like, oh, that's multifunctional. Yeah. I could do damage with that. Yeah, yeah. And guess what? I could fish that in the top, middle, and bottom of the water column. So when you start really breaking that down, you look at a jig, everybody says the jig's the most versatile bait. Well, hell yeah. Throw a jig out, you put a kicktail on it with a skirt swimming across the surface, there's a top water. Mid, you put a little blade on it or just swim a jig with a swim bait, mid-depth. You throw it on the bottom, you drag it on the bottom. So now you have a tool that's versatile and Nuggets. you can create different illusions and realism. So I'm all about there's illusion baits out there that if you work it a certain way or watercolor fish, see something and go, what's that and eat it. Or that's for sure a pot of, you know, bait fish, or that's a, a swim bait, or that's a bluegill. So you got to break down illusion to realism. And then you just go into what depth you're fishing. And then whatever you're doing, I always like to fish backwards because I look through the eyes of a fish. So if you see more bass fishermen and even like, you know, um, Charter boats and stuff. They'll go and make a pick up current and hold to so the boats a certain way. Yeah. You know, so they're throwing back there because the current's going that way. If you really want to know the crazy thing about it, ocean fishermen, if they fish like I fish in freshwater for the last 20 years, because when you guys are setting up, chum line, scent, current, all the stuff, fish come up current, dead stuff fall backwards, Little live stuff, swim in current, right? Yep. Bass do the same thing. So when I fish Castake and Pyramid and Clear Lake and I, all the places I fish, when I go up on a windy point, I usually go upwind and I turn around and I fish backwards. Most bass fishermen, will, you'll always see them fishing in front of the boat, into the wind and everything. I don't see a bass holding there on a spot and then having a, a little bait fish go and go. Because that's not normal, right. what the fish see. Yeah. The fish see, they hold here. There's a deadfall or a rock there. There's a back eddy current here. The fish is sitting here watching. And a little bait fish comes up and it hits there. And what that bait fish does, it creates a funnel. And the bait fish does a directional change. And the bass goes and eats it. Yeah. Just like out in that ocean when you're on a current break and you're fishing the outside from the boat and stuff and your bait gets there and you can see it cutting out on the back end of the current from the boat. And, stuff, and all of a sudden you're the one who's getting cornered because you're the corner guy because there's different current things and people aren't thinking that right or the sun's at this direction over here and you're going okay the sun's over here so here's the boat the shadow's over here so now you got a shadow of the boat on this side so the guy in the front is like ooh I'm going to go up in the front because I got a shadow line over here and I'm going to start pitching my my iron and, and stuff down on this side because all that big stuff the bait is going to p- protect themselves in the shadow that's their security on the edge and the big fish are going to hide in the shower cuz that and people can't even think like even in ocean fishing that a boat positioning and sun angles even in a cattle boat can dictate how bait fish and how fish move down there you're, or you're factoring all this in all the time when you're fishing when i'm driving my car really yeah when when i go down a road i mean i look in this this room right here and i could see corners but then i see multiple corners where you see the TV and then all of a sudden you see the shadow on the backside of that TV.
0: Yeah.
1: When I look at that, and I'll, and I'll give you a prime example, you guys ocean fish. So I'm going to go in ocean fish because this, I, this, I love this stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to use a big swim bait, whatever. The bigger the swim bait, bigger the shadow, right? So you, have you guys ever duck hunted? You guys ever duck hunted? Not me. Okay. No. So when we were kids and stuff, I duck hunt, and you, you know you go out there and you sit, and it's just getting early light, and we're predators, we are too. Yeah, right. Okay. And you sit there and you look in, and the sun's breaking and the sun's off your back like this and you see this, you see a shadow go across the water and you duck and then you go, where's the sun? And you look and there's your bird. You know, bass do the same thing, right? So the bass are sitting there, depending on the shadow, you can scare a fish because if it goes by their eyes in shallow water, they might think it's an egret or an osprey or something right, coming right. and kill them. Yeah. But they could also see something, and it catches their eyes, and go, "There's my dinner." So if you're good, and I don't know if you could see it on the, on the we don't, you, you guys got perfect lighting in here, of course. So you We're see not my, pulling around here. look right here, right? Yeah. Okay, here's the lure. Are you trying to hypnotize me? Yeah, now or what? I'm going to. Here's yeah. the lure. See my shadow right there? Yeah. I could work multiple, top, middle, bottom. So if you understand shadow, light, refraction with lures. Even ocean fishing, when you're fishing an iron in the, the, the shallow water on the beach and the sun's here and you're bringing an iron here, you think those bass are, no, they're on the side of the kelp, right? Well, they could be down underneath the kelp thing like their
0: hat. Yeah.
1: And your iron's up here. Well, if you position your bait right, your bait, the shadow is going to be coming across the sand. And then you get a tracker and it comes out because now it goes, oh, there goes an anchovy. And then it comes out of the kelp and it comes up in each of because a lot of fish wear hats because that's cover that they're hiding behind. That is excellent. So if you understand how to position your boat and your bait to create elongated shadows, you can literally fish top, middle, bottom of the water column all in the same Who time. Who does
0: this? This is such great stuff. I'm <clears throat> woefully in- ignorant of no, this. I'm learning a lot right this now. Is, this is like...
1: This is advanced, but it's, so, yeah, it's right. not because it happens all the time. Yeah. The weirdest part is I took um, George Kramer up to, uh, I think, Orville one time years ago. And I was telling my shadow theory. And I go, hey, when you fish in a pocket, I'm all about one cast. When you go fish, you position yourself for the most perfect cast. Because you only have one chance for that one perfect bass. Because they are smart. So you got to make sure they think they're doing what they're doing 100% of the time. So I call creating the illusion of realism to make the bass think it's doing its job. Yeah. I'm not tricking anything. I want that bass to think it's pushing that bait. Yeah. I like, it, mm-hmm. like, I look at it completely different. So I was telling him this whole thing about the shadow theories and stuff. And he goes, Bill. George Kramer goes, Bill, I've written. I've done stuff with bass guys <laughs> and bass brothers. He goes, you're, you're out there. <laughs> and... I said, if you pay attention and look under the water, because you're not seeing what the fish are seeing, you got to look completely different. We were fishing; the sun was over. We were fishing backwards like this. The sun was over to our right side. It was low light conditions, so you can actually dictate uh, <laughs> sundialing. You could actually dictate underwater how tight shadows are on break lines without even seeing them. I get to that in a second.
0: But he throws that. Exciting, right? But
1: but he throws a spook out there, and he's bringing a spook towards us, and he's watching. I go watch it, watch it. And there's a rock here, the sun's here, so all of a sudden the spook comes by the rock, and the shadow goes like this on the rock. A spotted bass hits the rock, eats the rock, the bait. It's an illusion. In a second, it turned around, and hit his bait, and he saw it, and he goes, "I've been doing this for fifty years." I had never thought of that. And I go, "They do that all the time." I went. Fish Jones uh, at uh, Powell or uh, Mead throwing black buzz baits in the middle of the day. Why? Best shadow. Mead's super clear water. You can throw a shadow 30 feet down. So when I come up into certain pockets, I'm always looking at the sun angles. Because if I look at a sun and that sun's hitting me here, that means, and depending on the sun angle, you sundial yourself. So you know how the clock works with the sundial. Yeah. So low sun angles, long shadows above your head short shadows mm-hmm. always this is big time for ocean too you guys you guys are probably not even capturing really really good stuff so so the sun if i'm going in and i'm fishing into the sun and this is my only chance i have to throw multiple times because if that's the bank over there or it just it depends but depending how far i can pass my objective my strike zone if i could throw All the way to the bank, and I could see my bait. I could triangulate the sun and go, okay, my shadow is going to be down here on the bottom in twenty foot of water. And there's a bush there, because the fish is under the bush. He's going to see the the shadow of my bait prior to the bait being overhead. Yeah. One cast. You throw it. You go like this, and all of a sudden down on the bottom. And I've seen it. You'll see the bottom. Puff, twenty feet of water. Fish comes out, eats the bottom, because light refraction when it hits the bottom creates an illusion. And you have the shadow, okay? You can go out here and see it on the fish all the time, but it's you guys don't. Amazing. You don't see it.
0: I've never thought of
1: it. Yeah, you you, you go I by think the docks. Kramer's
0: right, you are out there. Oh, no, I'm, I'm way, way out end.
1: there, but um, <laughs> you can do a one cast concept now. If the sun's to my back,
0: meaning one one cast meaning you're going to get bit on that first cast.
1: First cast, that's why it's so important. Now yeah, you might when
0: you're fishing tournaments that makes a hell of a big difference I when guess. you're fishing. Yeah, true. True. See,
1: that's the whole thing. True. Is people put these limitations on? If you go out ocean fishing just for fun, you still want to kick your buddy's ass, you know, and catch bigger fish and go, how you keep doing that? Why are you fishing on that corner over here of that boat? Maybe because I created a shadow and we're sitting here angered up long enough. And now I got bait fish and opali and all this other stuff and little, you know, smelt down here in my corner because the shadow is almost the same in open water than a kelp bed. Uh And then the big fish start coming in and it, it creates this daisy chain, you know, people... And things come in so there's all these crazy stuff but does this
0: all translate back and forth from salt to fresh
1: it's all the same there is it
0: sounds like it does there there is no salt
1: if you really look at there is no salt and fresh okay there is no like bass i mean you you could it it's all the same and it's so crazy and it's so mind-boggling to understand like shadows like so i give you an example fish like to hold in shadows especially rock bass you know all the stuff you know that's part of it. So if you have a ridge like this or you have a break line, so on this side it goes from, say, 20 to 30 foot of water, uh-huh. and you got a top. Well, depending on sun angle, the sun's going to be hitting. This This is all going to be friggin' hot plastered. You're probably not going to get bit. It's one, one of those things like, oh, I always get bit there in the afternoon. Why? Because the plane of ecliptic, the sun, depending if it's wintertime or summertime, how that sun comes across, as it gets to this side – and then here, now you got short shadow. Yeah. How do you sundial depth on the boat when you're fishing? You use your body. I'm 6'2". Every time you see me fishing, I could just look down, and if I know my shadow's within a foot or two, I know it's 11, 12 o'clock. If I turn around and I start seeing a long shadow with me whoosh, whoosh, out there, then i got to triangulate the long shadow. So if you get compressions, compressions of shadow is no different than tide shifts. So if you get a compression of a shadow onto a bluff wall, you're going to compress the fish and the bait fish to that. If there's a 20 foot brake line, all you have to do is hold. If it's 20 here and 40 here, and you know that you got a two foot shadow line, you better be dropping your anchor right here on the top of it and fishing on the right hand corner because all those fish are going to be lined up in that shadow until the shadow disappears and the fish move off. So you could it's just like a tide. You it's could amazing. you could rotate tides during the day
0: steve's taking notes
1: <laughs> no, yeah. yeah um but you could rotate and i've done videos and shown this and and surprisingly um you can go out to catalina you can go out to the end of the islands early in the morning and you watch the sun comes up and you watch the mountains of the islands and you watch the chat nobody pays attention you watch the shadows of the islands as the sunrise and the shadows get closer to the island you start watching where the birds are they're on those that, lines. The they're, bait fish, the bait fish, and everything will run those shadows in the morning, and they'll be pushed up just like bass do. And then all of a sudden you go, "Oh, look at those boils!" And they're on line. And people don't say, "Oh, the birds." Oh, wait a minute, they're actually on a shadow edge, because the bait fish at night they separate, and then all of a sudden there's compression shadows, a tide change, shadow change, and then the bait fish get on this, and then all of a sudden the bait fish will start running shadows. And the, you know, the hardest time on those is like overcast days because that's where it throws off. Consistent days is the sun comes up and down every day yeah. and it's a 15 to 20 minute shift. So you might be on them at 9.15 today. Tomorrow might be 9.30.
0: Is this theory down the drain when it is overcast?
1: <clears throat> it, it is and it isn't because understanding layers of top, middle, bottom and structure and cover elements combined, the more you have in line, the layered the onion, the more vicious wicked you are and more consistent you're going to be catching fish it's the magic days when they they say the stars align but they align every day yeah but if you understand that and that's how i learned on big fish at castake i i had a nine foot blow up boat and i'd go out there with a little electric motor tie up by the tower fish crawdads and uh, was catching, you know, you catch five, 10 pounders with Bob Troopy and Gary Harrison and all the, the big names back in the day. And they're like, this dumb kid's out here in a up boat, <laughs> you know, at Cass <laughs> Yeah. And then I turned around and I started trolling big wood plugs at Cass and lead lining them and catching big fish. And then I sat there and I went, there's timing to this because I started listening. You know, I'm not following, but I just listen. And you hear the guys, yeah, I caught a big fish. I caught two 10 pounders. What time? Two o'clock. Well, I got my big pounder around two o'clock. And then you're going, oh, wait a minute. There's times where these fish eat. No different than salt water and freshwater.
0: Right. The light switch goes on. Light right? switch
1: goes on. So now I'm sitting there going, when I was a kid, I'm like, wow, if I have 10, my, 10 of my best spots and I'm going to go do one cast and I could do all those 10 spots in that one hour time frame when the light turns on, do I have a possibility of catching 10 10 pounders? Instead of sitting on a bank or a rock pile waiting for the light switch to come on to only catch one or two. So that's where the milk run came in, and the patterning, And then I started doing that in tournaments and stuff. I pre-fish for four hours in the morning in a tournament. Figure out the spots that the highest production, I saw something move and everything else. And then the last four hours when I knew the bite would turn on. I would hit the 10 most consistent spots, and that's how I won a lot of tournaments, bringing in 20, 30, 40-pound bags in tournaments doing that because I could run to multiple big fish spots. And if you guys had the capability, even the ocean, when you know that bite turns on, and you know it's the first or second drop where the guys get the biggest fish, and you're going, oh, dude, it's on. Boom, boom, Oh, There's the two big ones. Go to the next spot. Go to the next spot. Go to the next. If you could hit four or five, because you know, they're biting. They're biting. Yeah. And that's what happens is you, you go over to uh, Santa Cruz or San Miguel or one of those islands and all of a sudden the sea bass take off and you see, boom, those guys are on. These guys are on. These guys are on. And then all of a sudden they all die at the same time. It's, it's like, oh, man. But if you had a boat and you could hit, and ocean's different because you got long drives, but when you're looking at freshwater fishing lakes, yeah, I could break down a lake and have five to ten primo big fish spots when the light turns on and that's why i'm more consistent back in the day when we fished a lot of these lakes with swim baits catching big fit like coming in with stringers a
0: big fish speaking of swim baits you actually de- helped to develop swim baits didn't you I, and when was that well it, it was that? man there is so much there's a lot of history in it
1: yeah. and it, it goes back and this is a the ego and you know stepping on toes and all that but I started when I was 85. My dad helped me build the wood plugs. You were 85
0: years old? No, no, 1985.
1: Oh, okay. Which, which is crazy when you hear the names because a lot of people, it's like, what? Because you remember, there is no social media. They, you know, just the history of it. So, 85, around 90. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, help Sean Donovan, and he did he did an unbelievable job. I got him hooked up with Pete Cremier from Deadly Duo Plastics to do the Optimum. Um, I worked with, I was a pro staff with Castic Softbait at the time. Um, helped, you know, field test, design, do a bunch of stuff with them. Uh, They separated. I helped Huddleston with the boot tail. But, you know, like I said, there's a lot of drama and ego and stuff. But those are the people I helped. Uh, 96, I helped uh, Lamaglass build the first big bait swim bait rod after I won the Bassmasters up there in uh, Powell. Um, Helped build hook companies, design hooks for for Mustad with Tim Norman back in the 90s. Uh, Man, swim baits, like I said, we did... Uh, the original ones that we had we had uh, the sassy shad that my dad had, and then we had the worm King by Marv. those were like awesome, but they're really hard to rig yeah getting
0: them
1: getting them with the stinger hook and everything else because the mechanics of how you I, I was the cSI guy also back in the day, yeah, so understanding how fish hit in position underwater when you can't see them was the key so like i'll give you an example and this is one of the reasons I loved the optimum at the time so much because it was a full Plastic-bodied bait. So if you're bringing in a swim bait and it's seven to nine inches or ten inches long, and a fish comes up and rolls and hits it, that's where you get the half moon bites. You'll see the half moon bites on your swim baits. Right. Understanding what your position is to your cover and structure, you could tell where that fish is at and how they're hitting it. So now I know how they're pushing into structure and cover. Then you throw out with the bait and you reel it in at a certain angle, coming up to a rock, and all of a sudden you get hit and you go oh and you go oh and it pops off and you go oh I missed it. Well, the first thing I'll do is I'll look at a bait, and you'll have the front part. You got a, your swim bait here. Got a little swim bait here. Yeah. But work. but you'll look at the front part. So you have the eye, where you have it tied in, and then you have the round part of the old style boot yeah. tails. Well, what happens is if if a fish is facing away from you, and you're using 25 pound Maxima string, you know, a big old die with so, on this, if you threw it out a certain way, and a fish hits this directly in front of you, yeah and you're, lying, you're behind it, what happens is you're going to have reverse teeth pulls. So I can look at a bait after I get hit, and I can say, oh, that fish was facing away from me because when I set the hook, I pulled it backwards out of its mouth mm. to come over his head. That's why I never got him hooked. So now I'm okay, and here's my rock. I was bringing it this way. The fish is looking this way. Okay, I want him to hit it from the side or from behind. Yeah. I'm going to come over, position my boat here, and triangulate or parallel the strike zone so the fish hits it this way. And that's how I was able to convert a bunch of fish by reading a swim bait by teeth marks back in the day. If you have a swim bait this size, this is a money bait from a 2-pound fish up to a 10-pounder. They'll eat it. When you start getting into bigger baits, you look at the percentage of the hookup ratio from this one point. Oh, there's one there. So you got to look at the, the hookup. And you can see all these teeth marks here on top of that. A lot of that stuff when you're pulling it, I could feel it this way that is kind of rough coming backwards. You set the hook, it actually was pulling backwards out of their mouth to hook them. So you could feel and test and look at swim baits. You don't see a whole lot of half moons here. Oh you do, you see some half moons right here. So those are the fish that are coming up, grabbing it this way and pulling out. So you have a hook here. You got to look at percentage of the bait and percentage of hook point. And then you gotta look at pounds per square inch for your reel compared to your rod. For hook set, because you have to pull anything from an eighth to a quarter inch to the barb, because that's how you catch the fish, not just hook them, because you don't want them jumping off. So you always look at the size of the bait, hook percentage, and then you have to calculate in, if this bait gets hit more like this, you better add your odds of putting a stinger hook in it, because the fish are going to half moon it, and you're going to hook them, and you'll know, because your treble hook will be from the outside in, and that means you're catching them because it's sliding through their mouth. Mm. So... Should you have a
0: stinger hook
1: all yeah. The time? yeah, for the big Why not, right? Yeah, because of the big baits, when we did the big stuff, I kept getting half moons. I get tail bites. Yeah. We'd position, and then I was like, oh, man, i got to really work on my angles and position of strike to catch ratio depending on covering a shadow and structure elements so the fish would actually target my hookup ratio. So if fish are coming up, if this is a topwater bait, I'm going to have a hook on the bottom. Money, because that's, that's where they're going to hit it. Mid depth on the pendulum, they could come from behind it and eat it. Big fish, they don't hit head first <laughs> all the time. Yeah. They'll come up from behind it, and eat it. They could come up, hit it on the side, roll it. So you got to really be careful, and I call it CSI, and just make sure when you look at your bait and you get hit, start watching the teeth marks. Do they hit the tail all the time? Is the vibration from your tail? Is that the triggering point? Is that what they're trying to do? Dismantle, curiosity, whatever. Then you go, oh, you might have to change something else in your system so they eat the whole bait. But on a bait like this, it's going to get chewed. Because you're going to throw that in kelp around rocks, so that's a reactionary bite. So that's the same thing. you got all this kelp here, and all of a sudden, a bait that's supposed to be swimming like they do, you know, the the smelt through the, the kelp down here on the West Coast, The calicos are just going to wolf it. But if you're paralleling the kelp, when the tide's going right, so now you have the right canopies, okay, and the current's this way, so the bass are sitting like this, and you throw up, or down, current basically, and you're bringing this swim bait, here's your kelp stringer, and here's all the, the leaves of the kelp and stuff, you got multiple function. If you fish it high in the water column, where's your shadow? Where's your sun? So, that sun angle. If the sun angles here, your shadow might be bound here with the bait. Those calicos will still see it. They're looking. They might come out, and all of a sudden, oh, there it is above us. We hear it now. So there's all these other factors going in, and I just love it's that layering.
0: Yeah, it, yeah.
1: And when you do that, then all of a sudden, you'll go behind people and kick their ass with big fish, and they'll sit there and go, "I just fished that place for 20 minutes, and I never got bit." And you know why? Here's your calico, here's your bass, here's your 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 fish. And one guy is throwing into the wind or just just casting to cover a structure. And he does this and he goes like this. And all of a sudden you get the bass following the bait. And the bass go underneath the guy's boat because there's a shadow there. And he goes, Look at all those followers. And all the bass are sitting underneath his boat. <laughs> and he goes, Look, oh, and he keeps throwing here and throwing here and throwing here. And I watch them in tournaments, and I, I tell my partner, oh, we're going to kick ass. We're going <laughs> to catch a big fish there. Because you see the guy, oh, look at the big fish. Look at the-. And you're like, and I'm sitting there, because like, I really don't pay attention to people until they do this. And I go, oh, they saw something big. And I watch them, and they go, oh, they're off the bank. They're throwing in skinny water and bringing out to open water. They just position their fish out in open water, and you watch them. And they're dumb enough to keep throwing to the same spot, thinking they're going to make a difference when those fish are hanging out here. What do I do? They leave, whoop, I come over here, I put my foot in a boat in about one foot of water, I throw out where their boat is, and I bring it up into the strike zone, uphill up presentation, I catch my kicker fish and I leave. And you could do the same thing in ocean. You could you could maneuver and position fish to where they want to eat and not in open water. This where. is
0: great because the coastal social fishing tournaments, April 24th, and Matt is uh, Florentino's oh. involved in that. And they're going to have to weigh in right here. Uh. This is all knowledge, like fishing that break wall. Now I can see. Break
1: wall. You start looking at current, like where you go out yeah. and how the current positions, where the kelp is. Then you got to look at like shadows, shadows and then how bait fish, now bait fish themselves, big pods, create their own shadows. So that's why when you go find a big pot of, you know, sardines or shad or whatever, and you start looking at it, here's a pod here, and I guarantee you if the pod's here and the sun's here, the fish that are following are going to be right here in the shadow of the bait fish themselves cruising until that bait fish gets close enough combined or a trigger set off where something flashes and creates a directional change, and that bass will come through and and blast them up into it, but out of the shadow into them. They they hide behind. Got it. So there is... And people are going to see it so much more now with these uh, side imaging and the live scan. And it's like, people are like going, "Oh my gosh, Bill, everything you said for the last fifteen years, you know, I, I'm seeing the bait." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there's more fish in the mid column than I ever thought of. And and you bring the bait up and you, you you do a directional change of bait, and it goes like this, and it creates a you know a, a spotlight. So how do you make this? If there's a million of these, how do you bring it through that and make the fish hit this? Yeah, directional change. Spotlight. So this has a low-pressure system on the tail. When you swim it, depending on the head and design and where you're tying it off to, when you rip it, it's going to flare. Well, any type of movement in live situations, bait, they go, and they're like, oh, what the hell is that? Because they think they just got eight, and they create a spotlight. So now you have all this bait fish here. There's a complete circle of nothing, and your bait's sitting there, and now it's doing a direction change like a dive, and that's tuna, yellow bluefin, largemouth bass. We'll run through that ball of bait and hit your bait.
0: I can't wait to get down to the surf and And catch some of this. And and that's how people,
1: and you know that because you're throwing out there and all of a sudden you go, and you're like, man, there's a ton of bait there. How would I get hit? Well, you created a spotlight. You blew out the bait. It it isolated your bait in millions, and then it did a death fall or something that triggered the fish like, that's what I want. And you'll see fish come through a million other little baits just to hit yours. So understanding that.
0: Takes you you take to that. It scientific. It's no wonder to me. It's perfectly obvious to me why you're so successful. Number one, you take a pretty scientific approach to this. But I number love it. two, and this goes for life also, you just don't ever say it can't happen. You're gonna make it happen with whatever. And you're you're in the hall of fame, right? Youngest guy.
1: I was very fortunate. Uh, I was uh, nominated by some great people back uh, around 2005 or 2009. <laughs> and uh for the swim baits you know for a lot of the stuff and uh very honored but yeah emmett brown from uh, the hall of fame and uh at the time i think i was the youngest one ever inducted and it was cool cool people you know uh, legendary angler up there that's you know and then you start looking at it and reading names you know al linder and bill dance and hank parker and then all of a sudden you see ernest hemingway and you know at see? the time i think there was only 118 when i got abducted so that was a a Pretty cool accomplishment, oh my but God, it's huge accomplishment.
0: That's but great. it's just
1: part of you know, it's just part of life. I mean, it and it's something that I'll tell this to the kids and everything else. Never hang your hat on, or have the ego to say like you're the best at that one thing and and live off that one moment, because your life will stop. And and a lot of stuff, a lot of bad things happen too. People that want to be the best at a certain thing. They're going to push the limit, and when they start slipping off that hill, they're going to do whatever they have to to try to get back on top of There's it. There's a flag
0: behind you, it's a Notre Dame flag. And uh, I'm a big Notre Dame fan. And Lou Holt said, you know, he took that program to like way up here, national championships, won more uh, bowl games. And, and he said the biggest mistake he made was when he got to the top, he tried to just maintain that. Instead of pushing and keeping going, or or he said it was his biggest mistake, which is echoing what you're saying. Keep, well, keep going, keep working yeah, at.
1: And, it. But there's there's a, a thing that also so like the big baits when I started really getting into it, the big tubes and stuff, and I kept a lot of stuff secret. And I I was out there whacking monsters and I doing this stuff, and, and you know I was very fortunate to do shows with Steve Panas from North American Fishermen and and Al Linder and and Roland Martin, and I'm doing all I'm the big bait guy, and yeah. <clears throat> this is what happened. Well. When you have an open mind and start looking at it, a lot of things change in California since 2005. Yeah. All the lakes are locked down, quagga mussel, they don't plant trout consistently, they don't do all this other stuff. And our fishery in California, I'll tell you straight out.
0: Yeah, Castaic w- is not what it used
1: to be, right? No, casitas. I, you don't hear, like, I'd go there and catch, in the mornings, and no kid. I'd come in and weigh in five, ten-pounders with Randy. Weigh him, boom, let him go, and I'd come back in the afternoon and weigh five more ten-pounders in. You know, and and now you you don't even hear a 10-pounder being caught the last eight, nine years. Yeah, it's crazy. So what I've been fortunate enough to do, and I think it's being able to pivot and keep seeing the possibility to excel, even if it's something that you don't think is what you're doing. It's in your wheelhouse right now. I did big swim baits. I dominated. I did a lot of big tournaments. I, I won a lot of money. I did really cool stuff with swim baits. I saw a change. And I never told anybody this. And you're like, this is the secret stuff that I've been doing. I saw it. The more people I saw throwing this, wrong. I watch people throw it wrong. and go, oh, they're repositioning the fish. They're they're conditioning all these big fish. These big fish are not going to act because they're not doing what they want to do. They're being forced to follow stuff that's fake. And the more they did this, the smaller my baits got. And I went back to more traditional bass fishing. And I still competed and I still won more tournaments. Like I win more tournaments right now on my little fat fly from Spro, an eighth ounce fat fly. That's crazy. Coming with big fish. Yeah. And I always have a big bait tied on the deck because people can't see through the eyes of a fisherman or a fish. They only see what they want to see. Bill's catch them on big bait still. All day during the tournament, you see big baits, and I have a big bait when they see me, and I whoa, whoa, and then when they put, oh, I got my little fairy one, and I go, Ooh, my five pound max, and then, there's another good fish.
0: That's awesome.
1: And then that pivot, and then I did. Oh, let's write a book. Okay, that pivoted. Oh, I did a DVD. That pivoted. I, you know, now I'm doing a kids' room. So in life, tang your hat on one goal. You're gonna, you're gonna end up if you have that big of an ego, and we have names that we could all talk about that do stuff that's really bad and a lot of the big bass big bait fishermen from my era are not around anymore because the pressure gets too too strong to be at the top and they do some stupid stuff so you got to just keep moving and, and be true to yourself and and if you don't have a place to grow i can grow catching a fish with a eighth ounce crappie jig i've caught I kid you not. I've caught 10 fish over 10 pounds with an eight.
0: That's and my
1: biggest one was 18, the one I showed you in that video. Yeah. yeah. That that's when I was a kid from the fire department for my dad. That was one of them on a homemade rod I built on a Mitchell 308 with six-pound string and a Bass Pro Shop eighth ounce white crappie jig. So I mean, remember tools versus techniques and positioning and what the fish are looking at. A bait this big can fish that big if you understand what the fish are seeing and what they want that and that's, is
0: a great way to leave it. I, I hate to say it time flew by on us here now before we go Wait, though really yeah <laughs> i know we can keep going here before we go uh websites or anything for the kids yes remember, and you've got baits out there anything you want to mention yeah no there, the, go for the it.
1: biggest thing it's not about me it's for the kids yeah so big the bbzworld.com and that's the biggest thing is for the kids. So if you have any angler between 13 and 19, this is for teenagers. They get entered for 25 bucks for one state or 50 for the whole U.S. Tournament starts from January 1st, but it runs all the way to August 15th. So there's plenty of time. Rule change, you go out there, you get a year subscription of Bassmasters. You go fishing. You catch as many fish as you want. You keep entering them. The new app, uh, Fishing Chaos, it'll self-call it. So you just keep sending in fish. Five biggest fish from your state gets to go to the championship. Largest bass in the U.S. gets their own win, heavyweight winner, smallmouth bass get to go. And then after all them going, then we're going to have two raffles for second place. So that's a big thing. But go to the BBZ World, uh, go to Fishing Chaos, and uh, check out uh, uh, Bucket Mouth Brands and uh, KBF Fishing. They have a lot of the same rules. So we're going to start standardizing the rules so everybody's the same. But big shout-out, this is the Bass Cats Big Bass Zone Junior Championship by Bassmaster. They're the head sponsors, and uh, it's, it's powered by uh, Fishing Chaos. So if you guys, anybody who knows me, you can call me, get a hold of me, and I'm there to help you. And, and it's all about having fun and, and creating a future for us and the kids.
0: Bill, you're a fantastic guest. Thanks for coming by, my friend. You're welcome. I wish I were 19 again. I'd be in that thing. All right, everybody. I will. I will be. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Once again, Friedman Adventures. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Bass Bros is your freshwater connection. We're all the same. Bill, C, Mantell, you're the number one. Thank you today, <laughs> everybody.